A man spent over $8,000 a year on Pepsi. Japan makes online insults punishable by prison time. And there's a urine problem in the Boston elevators. Technology will solve it. These are the weird stories for Tuesday on Weird AF News, the only daily weird news podcast hosted by a comedian. I'm your host, Jonesy, and I thank you for spending some time with me today. Let's learn a little bit about the weird world around us, shall we? Maybe have a laugh and uh, definitely pass the time, which is nice. A man says he spent over $8,000 a year just on Pepsi. A supermarket worker spent $8,500 a year, approximately, on 30 cans of Pepsi each day. He did this for two decades. 20 years, 30 cans of Pepsi a day. Hard to imagine you would even live after such a feat. I mean, diabetes is the least of your worries. 30 cans of Pepsi a day, I'd imagine so many health problems. Depression. Well, there's a happy ending to the story. He was cured of his Pepsi addiction, thankfully. He's now guzzling 30 cans of Mountain Dew a day. Hey! Bad joke. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, how was he cured of his Pepsi addiction? It says he was hypnotized. Oh. Yeah, I mean, hypnosis, I guess. I've heard stories of it curing people of their cigarette addiction as well, so maybe it's something worth trying, especially if you're sinking $8,500 a year into your addiction. Our recently cured Pepsi addict in the story is named Andy Curry. He's 41 years old. He drank a liter of Pepsi every morning and drank nine liters a day total. The Briton has sipped an estimated 220,000 cans of Pepsi, which is nearly 18,000 pounds of sugar, if you're keeping score at home. This is since he first began drinking Pepsi in his 20s. Curry is from Bangor, a city in northern Wales. Here's a quote from him. Well, I've always loved the taste of a cold Pepsi. Nothing could beat it. I just got hooked is all. I work nights, so I always like the sugar rush to keep me going. I'd go, th I'd go through four, five, two-liter bottles of Pepsi every day. I work at Tesco, and because of that, I could just buy it straight after work, take it right home. Now, believe it or not, this Pepsi addict is married. His wife is named Sarah. She corroborates this, says he spent about $25 a day on Pepsi to her dismay. This amounts to about $8,500 a year, she says. Uh, another quote from Andy. Well, it cost me a fortune, to be honest. I could have bought a car. I put a, could have bought a car every year for the same amount I was spending on all that Pepsi. I just needed to have it. As soon as I woke up, I'd go to the fridge and pour myself a large glass of Pepsi, just carry on through the day. I remember going to weddings and birthdays, and while other people had glasses of champagne, I'd be toasting people with, well, as you can imagine, a can of Pepsi. That's right. I drank it everywhere. Now, Andy decided to take some drastic action after he, well, he expanded, as you can imagine, gained a lot of weight from all that Pepsi. He ballooned to 266 pounds, and his doctor warned him he was at risk of becoming diabetic. At risk? I'm surprised he didn't make it to diabetes. You drink that many cans of Pepsi a day for two decades, and you're not a diabetic? That's the miracle of this story, I think, that he was only at risk after all was said and done. Well, this is where the story gets 
gets a good feeling because he exercised and he did and he dieted and he dieted and he managed to lose 30 pounds but he couldn't stop drinking pepsi still a problem that's when he contacted london-based hypnotist david kilmurray who immediately identified curry as having what's called avoidant restrictive food intake disorder also known as arfid wow i had no idea this existed so many disorders now. Some of them seem very strange, like restless leg disorder. What is that all about? You kick your feet at night while you're sleeping. Seems strange. Anyways, this guy, Andy, was diagnosed by the hypnotist. I don't know if you can take the diagnosis of a hypnotist seriously, but Andy got some online hypnotherapy. Wow, online hypnotherapy. I didn't know they did that. Well, the good news is Andy was cured and he drank water for the first time in two decades. He hadn't drank any water for two decades? How do you live? Oh, I'm fascinated by it. This guy needs to be studied by science. Andy was pretty much cured. He says that his hypnotist hypnotized him for about 40 minutes. He says, I don't know what he said to me, but afterwards I just didn't want to drink any more Pepsi. I still got two cans in my fridge which I was going to have before that hypnotist session. But, you know, I haven't touched them in a month, and I don't plan to. I prefer water now. My wife Sarah says my skin's looking gleaming and great. I got so much energy as well. I like walking. Me and Sarah are planning to climb a mountain. You can't drink all that Pepsi and climb mountains, you know. <laughs> Japan makes online insults a punishable offense. Even with prison time, Japan's parliament passed some new legislation making online insults punishable by imprisonment. This is taking place because there is rising public concern over cyberbullying in Japan. Apparently, there was a recent suicide of a reality TV star who was facing some social media and online insults and abuse prior to the suicide. Very sad when someone takes their life like that. Cyberbullying is a real problem. Uh, will this amendment solve it? Uh, I'm fascinated to find out. Maybe we need to look at such laws for our own country, although I, I highly doubt this is going to fly. Let's learn a little bit about it. Under the amendment to the country's penal code, which will take place later this summer, Offenders convicted of online insults can be jailed for up to one year or fined 300,000 yen, which is about 2,200 USD. This is an increase from the existing punishments of detention for fewer than 30 days and a fine of up to 10,000 yen for online insults. Oh, they already had something in place. Clearly, it's not working. Now, this bill proves controversial in the country. Opponents are arguing it could impede free speech. Impede, yes, it certainly will and does impede free speech. There's no could about it. It also says, um, well, they're arguing that it, it could impede criticism of those in power. Oh, it most certainly would do that as well. And one of the things I love most about Twitter is to make fun of our dumbass politicians. I would hate to have that taken away from me. You know, a lot of these politicians, they do terrible things, and a lot of us feel powerless to stop it. So it feels good to express yourself on Twitter and say what jerks they are, in my opinion. I do it quite a bit. 
And um, I, I suggest you try it. It's a, it's a nice way to get through the day. You feel really good about yourself. Have a popsicle and insult your most hateful politician on Twitter. It's a good time. Now, it says here supporters of this tough legislation say they need it. They need to crack down on cyberbullying and online harassment as well. It's, these are very important issues, but I'm wondering if there's a better way to do it. Um, I, I don't know, though. This says the legislation was only passed after a provision was added to it. Um, the provision is that the law will be reexamined in three years after it goes into effect to gauge its impact on freedom of expression. Expression. Well, I can tell you right now, you don't have to wait three years to gauge its impact on freedom of expression. You can look at it in six months and tell. I mean, this is definitely going to limit freedom of expression, for sure. Um, but is it needed, or is there a better way to do this? It's a very tricky situation, I'm not sure. This legislation, of course, would never fly in the United States, where we really value freedom of expression, thankfully. That allows me to have this podcast in a closet. We also value being able to hurl insults online. That seems to be one of our pastimes these days. <laughs> now it says under Japan's penal code, insults are defined as publicly demeaning someone's social standing without referring to specific facts about them or a specific action, according to a spokesperson from the Ministry of Justice. Oh, I see. Okay. So you can't just be like... Uh, you're a big time dork, Ted Cruz. You can't do that. You have to, you have to say Ted Cruz is a big dork because A, B, and C. Um, I'm just using Ted Cruz as an example because he's somebody I've, I've called a buffoon online before. Um, says here the crime is different to defamation, uh, defined as publicly demeaning someone while pointing to specific facts. Both are punishable under law. The defamation and this. This insult penal code as well. Now it says here that the issue of online harassment has gained prominence in the last few years in Japan with growing calls for anti-cyberbullying laws after the death of professional wrestler and reality television star Hannah Kimura. Kimura, age 22, was known for her role in the Netflix show Terrace House. She died by suicide in 2020. This news triggered grief and shock nationwide, with many pointing to online abuse that she had received from social media users in the months leading up to her death. Other cast members came forward to share their own experiences of online abuse as well. Soon after her death, top Japanese officials addressed the danger of cyberbullying and pledged to speed up government discussions on relevant legislation to do something about it. This is some tricky stuff. On the one hand, I love freedom of speech and... It allows me to do what I do. On the other hand, if someone's continuously cyberbullying someone, I want that to stop as well. There is a woman out there in the world. I came across this article. Her whole life, she's spending all her time, she's spending insulting the parents of the Sandy Hook children that were murdered. Um, she's claiming that they are actors and that this event was staged and did not really happen. She, she's just continuously harassing them, and I think something should be done to her. I mean, I really do. This kind of behavior is not okay whatsoever. But it's very tricky, and I don't know how you handle this. Maybe you guys have some suggestions because you're smarter than me. 646-450-2012. Call Weird AF News. Share your ideas with me. It's an open forum here. Let's all learn together and grow. 
Boston Transit Agency is going to use urine sensors on the elevators, but why? Well, here we go. A weird news article from my hometown. Let's do an accent. Maybe that'll be more entertaining. You're in trouble no more in Boston. The Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority hopes that a new program to tackle public urination in system elevators with technology. The MBTA, all right, now that's the Boston subway system and bus system as well. It all falls under the umbrella MBTA. Serves Boston and the surrounding area. They're launching a pilot program this summer in which urine detection sensors will be placed in four downtown elevators. The sensors alert transit ambassadors who can dispatch a cleaning crew, according to the media. So they're going to sense that there's urine and then bam, a cleaning crew comes out to clean the urine in the downtown elevators. I guess that's a popular place to piss is in those four downtown elevators. I don't know why you've got to piss in an elevator. That seems like animalistic behavior. Not so much Boston behavior, more like Florida behavior. Urinating in elevators. Now, maybe not. Florida behavior is more like urinating on strangers on the bus, like right on their shoes and clothing. Now, these sensors, these urine sensors were installed on the ceiling in the elevator. They have a fan which allowed them to suck in the air. And they basically smell the air in the elevator that lets them know what's present if there's, if there's pee-pee in the elevator. Now, they're going to kick off this program in August, all right? The urine program. Urine in the elevator program. Data will be collected for several months before the agency makes a decision about whether to implement the program by year's end, all right? <laughs> this is hilarious. This is not a new concept, by the way. About a decade ago, the Metropolitan Metropolitan Atlanta Rapid Transit Authority launched a pilot program that, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, triggered strobe lights, alarms, and alerts to the Transit Authority police when urine was detected in an elevator. Well, boy, imagine you're taking a whiz in the elevator. All of a sudden, strobe lights and alarms, and now you're going to jail for whizzing in an elevator. The elevators were then in, inoperable. Oh, my Oh my goodness, they shut down while you're in there peeing too. So you can't even get out. It's like a little urine prison. Now it says that program in Atlanta was a success and eventually expanded. So now uh, I'd imagine they got some pretty clean elevators. Uh, you know, in the defense of the people's peeing in elevators, though, there's not a lot of public bathrooms really. It's, it's, it's hard to find one, man. It, it, it really is. I mean, I've traveled the world, man. You can find public bathrooms in other places. In the U.S., it's like, you, this is why everyone goes to Starbucks. Starbucks, Starbucks. I mean, it's like, where else are you going to go? We don't have a real good public bathroom situation, man. Not like the Romans had anyways, you know? Now, the, the Boston Transit Authority hopes that this elevated urine program was going to help alleviate some problems because public urination, as you know... Not only unsanitary, but it causes damage to the elevators as well. It's a big problem. How about you just put a urinal right next to the elevator? How about that? Or one of them porta potties. What, what about that? I mean, you probably spend less money on porta potties than installing all these sophisticated urine sniffing fans and whatever. And then, of course, you're going to have to hire a whole urine SWAT team, you know? Because as soon as the alarm goes off, the urine. The urine officer has to jump right down, get involved. That's a whole team of people you got to hire. Why not just have bathrooms available in public? I mean, I don't, it just seems rudimentary to me. 
You know, the other concern is what if someone doesn't urinate in an elevator? What if they do number two? Does the system recognize that as well? You're going to have to install a whole new number two sniffing technology or something. I mean, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this and solve the problem. I give a damn about my city after all. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yay! Hi, my friends. This is your host, Jonesy, and I want to thank you for spending some time with me on this podcast today. I know there's about a gazillion podcasts out there, and you chose mine, and I appreciate it very much. Thanks for bearing with me a little under the weather today, but we pushing through, right? Anyways, uh, if you guys would like to support the show, because I, I know you'd love that, you can do it in a couple of ways. One, by joining the Patreon. Uh, today I put, uh, I should say this morning, put a lot of uh, extra weird content in there for all my patrons to enjoy. A lot of entertaining stuff in there that I've come across the past few days and over the weekend. Weird videos and weird visual stories that uh, don't make it to an audio podcast. So some pretty funny, weird stuff in there. So enjoy that, those of you who are already members of the Patreon. If you'd like to unlock a lot of that extra weird content and support the show, make me smile. Join the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash weirdafnews or go to weirdafnews.com. Uh, you can also support the show without spending a dime as well. Just, um, money's probably tight these days for you. No problem. Just tell a friend about Weird AF News. That's super helpful. Or maybe like tweet it or share it on social media or something. I'd really appreciate that. Or just, you know, don't do any of that. Just listen and spend some time with me every day. That's fun too. That's all right. I appreciate you nonetheless. And I hope you have a lovely evening. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. You think I'm the weirdo? Have you looked in the mirror lately? Hey, Jonesy, this is Tammy Tornado calling you. You might remember me. I sang you a very sultry Marilyn Monroe type happy birthday. So, now that that's all under the bridge, whatever. Um, yeah, I hope you, you really enjoyed that article I sent you. Um, here in Darlington, South Carolina, it's going to be nice with a high of 92 degrees, but it's going to real feel 100 so there's your weather report from your favorite storm spotter. Um, also, here's another bit of information. Did you know that in Los Angeles, I have relatives? More later. Oh, Jonesy, I heard what you said about the honey badger. You know, honey badgers don't care, except there aren't no honey badgers over there in England like you said. 
you know, you were talking about the old uh, archaic things that they do over in England, like jousting and racing horses and changing, chasing uh, wheels of cheese down the hill. Well, you know, they can't do any honey badger wrestling over there in England because they don't have honey badgers in England. They got the European badger. The badges are native to places like Africa and Iran and Western Asia and places like Asia. I'm sorry. I mean, I have to say that the Indian subcontinent, but there ain't no honey badges in, in England or anywhere on the British Isles. Oh, Jonesy, I'm sorry I have to correct you, but honey badger don't care. Good luck with your life, man.